Hello, I'm Gail Stewart. Thank you for joining us and tuning in to the San Diego Screenwriter Studio. This podcast is creating the space for San Diego screenwriters to get information about writing a script and answers to all the questions that baffle you and us about the industry. I'm here with Raul Sandelin, who has written and produced several documentaries and who teaches writing at our local community college. Hello, Raul. Hi, Gail. How are you doing today? What's up? Uh, Today we're going to be exploring beat sheets. And also joining us, the fantastic writing professor, Dr. Stacey Hankinson, a screenwriter in her own right. She will be sharing her insights. Hello, Dr. Hankinson. Hi, Gail. How are you? Good. And what's up for you? I am going to be hitting on the role of the therapy in film. Oh boy, that's a tough one. And if you tuned in last week, you know that we covered the very deep topic of the concept. So today I'm going to dip my toe into the next fundamental step for screenwriters. And that's coming up with a simple little blog line. You are listening to the San Diego Screenwriters Studio, the podcast that encourages local screenwriters to keep writing. Join our community and let our voices be heard in Hollywood. KNSJ 89.1 FM is a listener-supported community educational radio station reaching out for the diverse populations in the San Diego region. Therapy, anyone? One of the most fundamental ways to get better as a screenwriter is to watch movies, series, short films, study them while you're binge-watching them, and start dissecting them. That's what I do. I find out what clever motifs they're using, what makes me want to continue to watch and binge on this particular series. It's a million-dollar question. Dr. Hankinson, you're a screenwriter who also teaches writing at our local community college. Now, in your latest project, you're using therapy as a motif, adding to the depth and meaning, right? I I am, and I have two pilots that I've been working on that, that are now complete, the first one, we talked a bit about it in our in our last segment, the sessions deals with a therapist and a recent divorcee, and there are some quirky notes to this therapist, but in the second one that I wrote, Sex with a Vengeance, it gets really into the dark side and really touches on the, the idea that perhaps therapists go into therapy because they have some of the greatest issues and, and problems underneath, kind of in the line of dress to kill. The concept of therapy has never been therapeutically sound in Hollywood presentations or or even positive at all. If you think about some of the earliest presentations we have, for example, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and you can just see the character going through horrific experiences in, in therapy, if, if you even want to call it that. The Bell Jar, <laughs> Sylvia Plath, similarly, and, and that being... An, an autobiographical work, but it 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 doesn't present those who are interested in it as anyone who is healthy, right? These are presented as extremely troubled people. It's not that surprising that as time has passed that it's morphed still with with some very sketchy um, sketchy presentations, to say right. the least. Right. Um, there are so many examples of 
therapists deviating from from what would be considered ethical or or sound practice when we just look at even just the last decade or two. Now, I, I think Fraser veers more towards the healthier, kind of more positive version. Um, and, and it's good that there is that. Of course, there, there's the whole line of them, um, where, where they're even presented godlike, like, um, goodwill hunting, right? Yeah. That where truly Robin Williams was the savior. I mean, without him, Matt Damon never would have progressed. And, and we, we do see that. We do see Judd Hirsch, for example, Ordinary People. I think that's another just excellent example of mm-hmm. the, the godlike nature of the therapist in kind of two different ways, that there's the concept of the therapist who is just a sounding board for the characters, much like in, in the way I, I wrote the sessions, that the, the role of the therapist is really to just be a, a springboard for the main character. But then... There's a, a stronger presence. There's another vein of, of therapists where it's the therapist has his or her own presentation, neuroses, like dress to kill, where that therapist is going out and dressing up um, as a woman, killing people. Um, so I think that that's different divergent ways that people go and that we can find in film. I think, too, another thing that's really interesting is there really aren't that many female therapists presented. Um, oh, that's a good point. That's How about diverse diversity in it as well? I, that, the, right? that was the other thing. They're basically white men yeah. um, being presented. I would say the, the one um, strong divergence from that, we saw Barbara Streisand as... Um, Prince of Ties, the therapist in that, but she just immediately starts sleeping with Nick Nolte and isn't even really that's considered, we don't even though. really think of her as a therapist. We kind of forget that that's how they met, right? right, right. So, um, but the, the strong therapist figures tend to be white, white males, males, right? Yeah. Uh, Robin Williams, Judd Hirsch, you know, Billy Crystal, so and what, analyze that. What we need is, okay, if you're a screenwriter out there and you're thinking about a therapy session as one of your motifs for your script or your screenplay or whatever you're writing, think about having a good role model of somebody diverse, someone of color, someone, you know, from the gay community that, you know, all of that stuff, right? I mean, there's so much. And... It would, I think, it would help uh, in the long run destigmatize, you know, people who are suffering from mental illness. Definitely, another aspect of it that I think is really interesting. At at the end of the day, some of the the best therapists that we see presented in film aren't even necessarily true therapists who went through, you know, therapy school. For example, Mumford kind of overturns that whole idea and. Mumford is just a, a guy with no therapy background who's posing as a therapist, but he's the one who actually can help people. So kind of um, diverging from the traditional therapist. Another example that is a, a good one, I don't think is often categorized in the same way, would be the horse whisperer with Robert Redford. And if you remember this movie being one. a very yeah. young Scarlett Johansson, maybe yeah. her very first movie where she was extremely traumatized and therapists weren't helping her. So he, the mother took her out to this horse whisperer, and and that was a form of therapy, though again not in the traditional therapy vein. So, but animal therapy is helpful, and we know this, right? Yes, so, yeah. 
That yes. was a kind of a, a premonition to what would be coming in the field. So that's another just way to look at it is, you know, think of different versions to the traditional therapist model in, in creating a screenplay on therapy. Welcome back. Beat sheets. I think most people, including you all, probably understand a beat sheet quite well. Me, I'm clueless. I just couldn't get it. Like, what's a beat sheet? I knew there was a writing scene and there had to be sequences, but I just didn't seem to pull it all together when I first started this journey. What the heck is a beat and what's a beat sheet? Co-host Raul Sandlin has produced and directed several documentaries. So tell us, Raul. Uh, well, there's a lot of confusion about what is a beat. So you're going to hear different definitions depending on the context. Now, one definition of a beat is like a pause. Like if you say a line of dialogue and then there's a beat, meaning you take a pause and then you start talking again. So it's a pause for effect. But today we're going to be talking about a beat as a complete piece of action, a piece of action that pushes or propels the plot forward. And I think, you know, even there, there may be some nuances between the two. I think for now we could look at a beat as a plot point. They're basically right. the same at this point. Um, so uh, basically a beat then is an action that pushes the plot forward. That means uh, that not every kind of action is a beat. There is expository or exposition that simply establishes the location or helps us understand a character a little bit deeper or also provides some kind of relief from the action because you don't want your you don't want your screenplay to just be hard hitting you know every single second. Sometimes you have a little bit of relief where everybody takes a quick rest and then you uh, go back into the plot. So with that said, then, uh, if we if we have established what a beat is, a complete piece of action, then we should ask ourselves, what is a beat sheet? And I guess that's why we're here. Right. A, a beat sheet takes every beat and basically turns it into one line or one sentence. So if you have, let's say, 30 beats in a feature film, you would have 30 lines or 30 sentences. So it's something where you can write the beat sheet from beginning to end in a couple of pages. Right, and I think if you're doing an outline, that this, this is very helpful because I, I've been told like either, what is it, five to seven beats per act, right? And mm -hmm. so when you're dealing with that, once you get those two lines down or whatever that line is that, that kind of contains the beat, what that beat is, then you can actually see if you're moving the story forward. Mm -hmm. I, I just watched this thing about outlines, and outlines will do that in an upcoming uh, episode, but outlines are very helpful because they lay out the beats, and you get to see what you're missing, where the gaps are, right? Yeah, exactly. And in fact, I think outline, at least for these general purposes, an outline could be seen as a beat sheet also. It's mm -hmm. really a synopsis. It's a way to cover the action and the plot points from beginning to end. You know, if you have that a was my chihuahua. three act. Was that the chihuahua? <laughs> that was the chihuahua. Okay. Um, 
Keep going. So it, it, it basically, it's it's a way to write out the action from beginning to end without writing a 90, 100-page right. screenplay. You've got the inspiration in your mind, and you can write it out, uh, you know, in one sitting, in an hour or two. And then you can go back in, thanks to our word processors, and add to it and start building the beat sheet into an actual script or screenplay. Now, some people actually use like uh, index cards or when I first started because writing a script and keeping everything straight in my mind was so overwhelming that I used big poster boards, right? I had big poster boards posted around and I would lay them out and write on that. But index cards works just as well. Yeah, yeah. You could ultimately um, put each act or I'm sorry, each beat on a separate index card. And that also gives you the ability to shuffle them Mm -hmm. because not every beat is going to occur in chronological order. So you can change the the sequence of beats if you use index cards. And I just want to add one thing on that. I believe that final draft even has a an index card function. They, so they do. You can create a beat sheet. Yeah. Either way you want. But it, you know, I find that just to kind of to, to diverge to diverge. I kind of find that that it gets so tedious in the final draft. Uh, software that I, I mean I would I'd like to just do my I do my outlines and my beat sheet like on in in word you know and just kind of get it out because but I mean if I got a little bit better I would definitely use the little boxes that you can just and you can plot them too So, Raul, I've heard people say that there's like four different types of beats, but I'm not really clear on what what they are and if that's all there is. I, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, there's mainly four types of beats, and those are events, interactions, realizations, and resolutions. And they kind of go in that order. Probably the most common type of event is going to be, or um, most common type of beat is going to be an event mm-hmm. where something happens and multiple characters are involved. And that beat could, or that event could be, you know, a pro sporting event like a football game. Or it could simply be, you know, an interna- interaction at the water cooler in the office that right. takes three or four minutes. Mm-hmm. But basically, when we say event, we mean something that happens involving uh, a number of characters. Similarly, an interaction, which is the second type of beat, is more like a dialogue when two people, especially, you know, two important people like the hero and the villain, mm-hmm. confront each other. Or somehow, you know, even by accident are found in the same elevator together. You know, hero and villain, Mm -hmm. you know, are in the same elevator and have to play nice. That would be an interaction. So those, the first two types of beats are things we can see and things we can film. You know, we turn on a camera and we can film an event. We turn on a camera and we can film an interaction. Then the third and fourth types of beats are a little more internal. And the screenwriter and, of course, the production crew are going to have to figure out how 
they're going to externalize this and give us a visual image. you got to show us, right? Yeah. You always have to show the audience what you're doing. The show, then, don't tell. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't... So the, the uh, first of all... Uh, well, the third of all, I should say, the third type of beat is a realization. And this is when, you know, one of these light bulb moments when right. uh, something, an epiphany goes off in probably the protagonist or hero's head um, and that sends the hero in another direction you know causes the the hero to change course whatever that means Mm -hmm. Um, and that's a good way to look at beats in general a beat is something that causes the main characters to change course so when you get all these beats together right you got Mm -hmm. your four different types of beats or maybe you're just using one or two of the the four that you're using um, and then you do either, what, five to seven beats per act. And then when you do your beat sheet, you just write them out. Is that? Kind of, yeah. I mean, a seven, seven beats per act is a pretty uh, good ballpark to work with. Mm-hmm. Now, remember, if you're working off a three-act standard Hollywood screen play you're going to have your your act two is going to be twice as long as acts one and acts three so you're going to have seven beats in act one then you're going to have seven beats in the first half of act two seven beats in the second act half of act two and then seven beats in act three so that's a total of 28 Mm -hmm. i usually when i talk to people about writing beat sheets i always use the round number 30 so I think twenty eight thirty, you're right in the right ballpark for a feature length film. And again, remember, this isn't every single action that occurs in the film. You may have exposition where somebody's just walking through a park, and even though it doesn't add to uh, the 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 plot, at least you get a deeper understanding of that character, possibly how they walk, how they interact you know, with their surroundings and other people, but it's not necessarily a beat. And that's some an important point to make. Every action in your screenplay is not going to be a beat. These are only the actions that change the direction of the characters. Right. Okay. If you need information, any more information, Google the Aaron Sorkin Masterclass article on Beat Sheets. Uh, It's free, it's on the web, it's public information. It lays out the process step by step. It is a great resource. Gail Stewart here talking about that little must-have. The 27 or so word count or two-sentence summary that encapsulates your entire script. And like everything else I've learned about screenwriting, there is a formulaic aspect to this task. For example, on my script called Saving Jimmy, which is a half-hour sitcom, this is the logline. A reformed pool shark suffering his quirky siblings while undergoing cancer treatment is recruited by his god, to fight a darker foe. Okay, so that's my log line. Yeah, I've got a lot of log lines, and I've struggled <laughs> with every single one of They're them. They're tough. That's, they are yeah. so tough. Well, brevity is always tough. It's o- often easy to just generate, you know, all your your initial ideas, but then re- figuring out ways to reeling them back 
you know, and making them concise and also getting uh, getting rid of the ideas that at first seemed really good, but don't seem so good after a while. So log lines to get those magic. What what did you say? Twenty seven words or two sentences? Right. That's yeah. It's, it's It takes a lot of work. I mean, and it took us like months to achieve ours. If I well, and what happens, and this is something you know every screenwriter goes through, uh, and that is when you are constantly rewriting your script, your le- your log, log line, line changes. The log line changes. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's maddening, right? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't change that much, but it changes, and there you got to go back and you've got to look for that brevity. And so, but there is a formula for it, and this is you know just like everything else in screenwriting. There is a formula. It's there. And, you know, I got to tell you, um, in our next episode, we're going to be talking about classes and webinars and networking and all that stuff. But uh, just know that there is so much on the web right now for free. Okay. Articles, papers, you know, uh, even there's even classes. But to the point of learning about this stuff, it's all there and we have resources that we will give you and put up on our website so that you will can just pick up and find them. I also just wanted to add there's lots of free scripts out there too. Right. So, so you can see, and and you can get log lines. You can yeah. look at what other people had for the log line. Like Absolutely. Game of Thrones had mm-hmm. a log line, right? Yeah. Breaking Bad. Yeah, you can Google. So just Google log lines TV scripts or log lines, you know, film screenplays. You know, play with the words, the search words, but you'll find lots of uh, resources out there and lots of examples right. for free. That's right. And so um, this is this is kind of interesting. Logline, you have to have, you have to mention the character. You have to mention the world setting, the objective, the consequence, or obstacles. So now to that point of those examples... Uh, here's another log line that hits all of those five points. To escape his demanding family, Lab Tech Gordon freezes himself and emerges a thousand years later to an unrecognizable world and his out-of-control son, who is now president. Gordon must put an end to his family drama before all hell breaks loose. So I got that from the writerduet.com video. And... <clears throat> But that's an example of a log line taking into account uh, a person, a character. In what world are they? Are they? Are you putting the setting in? And what did they have to do to achieve their objective? And if they don't do that, what are the consequences? And what obstacles? The conflict, right? We always go back to the conflict in it, right? So, yeah, if it doesn't have any conflict, it's going to get boring very quickly. You know, that's what we're watching a movie for, is to see conflict of some kind. Right. So when you talk about, let's talk about a little bit more about this log line. I mean, do you, now I came up with the log line after I had come up with the concept. I had written out my characters. I really didn't, you know, I didn't have any guidance whatsoever. I just knew I wanted to write this script. Um, I was passionate about it. And, you know, I think you were the one that said, well, you need a log line, Gail. You need the Bible. You need a treatment. You got to write out all your characters, right? All of that stuff. Yeah, it's a funny thing. What I've learned is you're doing all of these things at once. 
Right. Uh, on one hand, the 27-word, two-sentence log line is your driving force. You need that short, brief description of what the character is going to be doing and what the character is going to be confronting. And the answers to those questions are going to be the basis of your screenplay. However, you kind of need to write the screenplay. You got to write this, well, the yeah, script or the, to, the to TV. realize exactly what your log line is going to be. So, what basically the answer to all is that is that you're going to be writing multiple drafts. Absolutely, you're, and th- and that is what happened with me because as I progressed and rewrote and scribbled out pages after page, um, I realized that the log line no longer fit where I was going with this script, right? It's almost kind of like writing the last chapter or the whole story in two sentences after, before you write it. Write it. <laughs> right, it's, it's crazy, but that's... But, yeah, but then you also have to write it at least a little bit to see if your idea is even working. So you're kind of looping through these, you know, first draft, second draft, you know, so Third the log draft, lines fourth are, draft, the, yeah, fifth, fifth draft, sixth, 47th, yeah. It's so tough. You are listening to the San Diego Screenwriters Studio with Raul Sandalin and Dr. Stacey Hankinson. The podcast list encourages local screenwriters to keep writing, join the community, and let our voices be heard in Hollywood. KNSJ 89.1 FM is a listener-supported community, educational, radio, station reaching out for the diverse populations in San Diego. You're listening to the San Diego Screenwriter Studio. I'm Gail Stewart. We've talked about a lot of screenwriting elements today. And now to our co-host, Dr. Hankinson. Your final thoughts, doctor, on therapy as a motif. Yeah, when watching a film, it's one thing to be intrigued with the story and if it's quirky and inviting and engaging. But I think, too, for a screenwriter to be cognizant of the responsibility to society, what kind of presentation he or she is creating about an entity such as a therapist. So it, is bad therapy being presented? Is is it stigmatizing those who go in for therapy? Those are some important thoughts just to bear in mind, at least in the back burner of one's mind. Also, just as a thought to make sure that we're representing everyone, that we're having ethnic dis- diversity, gender diversity in, in terms of presentations of therapy. And rule about beat sheets. I know we talked about them, but as you both know, I was hopeless on this for the longest time. I just didn't get it. Of course, that was until I did. But even now, I'll write something and I'll stop. I'll ask myself, Gail, is this a good enough beat? Is it moving my story forward? So go ahead, Roel, and um, expound upon your final thoughts on beat sheets. Yeah, what do they say about you need to do something 10,000 times to get good at it? Oh, well, God, no. that's, that's sort of the, the the part we didn't talk about. I mean, beat sheets, log lines, a lot of these things uh, can help you think through, brainstorm, even structure 
your your screenplay and help you write it but at the same time you need to ultimately write it and you probably ultimately need to rewrite it and rewrite it again so there's not going to be any substitute for treating this as a writing process where you generate multiple drafts and then you know a year or two later you know when you're on the 47th draft you something might actually happen you just redraft it you keep working at it you keep you just keep striving it's a craft there is no no other word to describe it yeah and i just wanted to add you really need to enjoy the process absolutely so if you don't enjoy generating 47 drafts you're probably in the wrong (laughs) trade or craft at this point Thank you, Raul and Stacy, and all of you for listening. Remember, tune in and hear our next San Diego Screenwriter Studio podcast where we will delve into what are the critical elements of a great TV script. And join us as we share our tips on how to break into Hollywood screenwriting. Remember, from all of us at the San Diego Screenwriter Studio, sit tight and write. For more information on San Diego's Scriptwriter Studio, email us at feedback at knsj.org. And thank you, KNSJ, San Diego's truly independent radio station. Join us on the air next week. Bye-bye for now. Oh, thank you.